Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, recording. Hello and welcome to the Pocket Podcast. I'm Stuart Miles. This week should have been IFA. Uh, the big German technology show that the rest of the team and myself go to every year at Berlin to eat bratwurst, currywurst, lots of beers and, well, cover some tech stories at the same time. But because of the general situation around the world at the moment, IFA has kind of been reduced. It's now, well, I think you're allowed 600 people maximum piling into a small hall. Yeah, we didn't really want to go and lots of other people probably felt the same way. However, that hasn't stopped lots and lots of companies announcing new products, new initiatives, new technologies and new, well, everything. So here to talk to me this week as a special longer longer edition about IFA is Hoglint's Dan Grabham. You can say hi, Dan. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Hello. Hello. And Hoglint's Rick Henderson. Hello. Uh, who have been covering all of the big announcements uh, and seeing all the big layers and are here to discuss everything with us. So my general feeling of the show this week has all been about the technologies powering tomorrow's technologies, tomorrow's gadgets. Let's start with probably the big announcement, Dan, from that side of things on the laptop side, which is Intel. Tell us more. Yeah, so Intel have been quite busy. Uh, they've 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 struggled in in recent times that you know they they haven't been able to get their their true next generation processors out, um, and we're still expecting those. They've been massively massively delayed. So what we've got what we've got at the moment is the new eleventh generation core processors. So we, you know on the on the streets there'll be Core i three, Core i five, Core i seven again, and but essentially they're a refinement of what's gone before. They um, they've uh, developed some new transistor technologies, which basically means they can have less vo- less leakage within the chips and basically make them more efficient. Um, the 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 big news though is that actually this is this will lead to a whole slew of laptops over the next month or or two or three. Um, you know, specifically from Dell, for example, we'll see their whole um, lineup refreshed, for example. Um, and we've we've heard that Asus are doing the same, Acer are doing the same. And um, one of the interesting things, though, that this time they've got a, a sort of new sub-brand called Intel Evo. Right. And basically, this is going to be a sticker on laptops. Um, another sticker. What exactly what sticker, we want? Another sticker. We've seen we've we've seen this before. Uh, you know, in the early days of wireless technology, there was Intel Centrino, um, which some people may remember from like two thousand three, mm. two thousand and four. Um, and that basically meant that your laptop had what decent wireless co- connectivity. Now things have moved on a stage. Um, they've talked about this this sort of specification for thin and light laptops, Project Athena, in the past, um, in the recent past. But actually, they haven't had a had a label for for these laptops. They're now going to have this label Intel Evo, um, and essentially, they, it means that they'll start up quickly. They'll have at least nine hours of battery life. So, so it's it, it basically is a, is a sort of minimum standard for 
um, laptops that, you know, you can do anything with, essentially. Now, Evo, um, Evo Intel seem to be fighting a battle on multiple sides here, obviously against uh, portable devices being powered by Qualcomm, which are kind of more using different silicon, aren't they, and, and a more sort of always-on battery life, but also Apple coming in from the MacBook, MacBook Pro side with their own silicon. Does this new set of chips, you know, new set of processors give them the powers and tools they need to be able to tackle that fight? Well, in terms of in terms of performance, yes, it that they should be that they should be you know more than adequate to 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 cope with cope with the demands of today's you know user basically. Um, the, the interesting part of it is the connectivity side. Obviously, we're used to our phones and tablets being always connected, um, and that is the benefit of having ARM-based, essentially phone or tablet-based hardware in a PC, because you then are you then are into the realms of 24 hour battery life plus as you do with a phone um, and you're you'd have the, the have it always on the internet as well so it sort of takes things to the next level and that's that that's what we've heard from apple that we're going to have with the new apple silicon that that level of that level of performance um, and also that we're going to have that with what qualcomm have announced uh, which is the 8cx gen 2 nice and snappy there um, but basically that will the these new these new chips from qualcomm also, um, the stuff from Apple potentially would have 5G laptops across the board, um, definitely from Qualcomm, but potentially in the future, you know, we've talked before on the podcast about Macs potentially being 5G connected in the future. But that's that's the general way things are traveling. Intel have got a partnership with MediaTek to bring um, modems to laptops in the future, um, but we haven't sort of got there yet. So Intel are playing catch up in a way, like you say. And of the and final question on this before we move on to the next topic is with the laptops that we've seen, because we've seen laptops this week from Acer, from Asus, from Lenovo, I think MSI have got some, you know, there's obviously these are starting to pull out already. Is there anything that stands out that we're like, oh, actually, that's quite cool and is already starting to use this technology to, to its advantage? Well, I think the Asus Zenbook stuff is 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 really interesting. That there, there's some of the best examples around. I I just think what 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 we're seeing on the the, the model side of it, and also mentioned um, Dell's XPS thirteen series, which is coming next month. Um, the, you know, the, the interesting thing is that actually they're they're more sort of evolutions of what we've seen before. They're not they're not necessarily stand you know stand out laptops as such but they do they will they will obviously have this improved improved performance um and and better battery life and it's the battery life i think that's going to be the key thing going forward now rick nvidia tell us more about what's nvidia up to this week um it was massive uh, announcement from nvidia specifically for pc gamers because uh it was a big revolutionary leap for the graphics cards for 2020 um we have the 3000 series graphics cards were announced with uh, the 3070, 3080, and 3090, which is a brand new category of ca- uh, graphics card, all announced. Now, these, are, these aren't just sort of like a, a mild upgrade to last year's RTX cards. These are a massive leap in um, spec and technologies. Uh, NVIDIA has been working very, very hard in multiple areas to improve not only the performance of the graphics card for the developer, but also to introduce technologies that will directly benefit the gamer. Now, one of these, uh, the, the main technology that they're kind of, this overarching new technology that they've added to the cards is a technology called Ampere. 
And we're still kind of finding out what that really means. But essentially, it makes the cards incredibly quick at processing uh, and much more powerful, specifically for things like ray tracing, which is the uh, the use of better lighting in video games. Um, and uh, the other technology, uh, DLSS 2.0, I think we're on at the moment, which, um, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what the acronym is, but the actual uh, technology that it describes essentially upscales um, uh, uh, resolutions to full, to sort of like 4K, even 8K, which is um, which is extraordinary by doing very clever things to the pixels and very clever things to, uh, to uh, each frame to allow programmers to essentially make full 8K or full 4K games run much more economically than ever before. And it's very, very clever stuff. Looking looking at the prices of some of these cards, they're almost as expensive, or if not more expensive, than what we're expecting the next-gen consoles to be. Who are these cards aimed at, and what kind of games would you be expected to play on them that you couldn't just play on an average run-of-the-mill graphics card? I think, I think these cards are essentially um, a... a a competitive shot across the bows of PlayStation and Microsoft. Now, both of both of those machines, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, will be using AMD graphics for starters, which is obviously the big rival to NVIDIA. And they will be introducing technologies like DLSS and, uh, and ray tracing with those consoles. So you will get the equivalent of an RTX, a, a PC gaming experience with an, uh, an NVIDIA RTX gaming card inside those consoles. So NVIDIA has taken it one step further and uh, now has a card, the 3090, which is mind-bogglingly expensive. It's in the £1,500 category. Wow. Um, but, <laughs> but it is capable of 8K 120 frames per second gaming. And that is basically saying... Yeah, those next gen consoles are going to be really good, but PC gamers, if they are willing to spend for it, I can have it even better. And I suppose with games like Microsoft Flight Simulator, where you're expected to recreate the entire globe as you fly around in high definition, then you kind of need these these powerful cards to be able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we're seeing games like uh, Flight Simulator, but also uh, the latest Call of Duty. Which, which which adopt things like ray tracing at full 4K running natively, these they need graphics cards that can cope, and these cards are definitely those. And we're not talking that all of these cards are ridiculously expensive. The um the three seven the RTX 370 comes in at around 499 dollars. So there are different grades of these cards plus. Um, Obviously, the first thing that happened as soon as the cards were announced is we started to get uh, press releases from the uh, gaming PC manufacturers saying that they're going to include them in even their laptops. There will be laptop versions of these cards, no doubt, sometime in the future, but also in their desktops. So um, so you'll be able to buy PCs with them already in, so you don't have to think of the expense of and building your own, own machine. But I kind of see it also as hand-in-hand with the Intel announcement because the Intel 11th-gen processing will help run these cards in more efficient ways. So, Mm. so, you know, if you're looking to build a PC, a a, a gaming PC, that is, 
you're probably not got a better opportunity. The other thing that I think the 3090 really proved is that NVIDIA doesn't just want to become to be a gaming card specialist. It is looking at the 3090 as being for content providers, uh, content, sorry, creators, um, and even up to broadcast level. Because you're talking about a card that can render 8K video as quickly as normal PCs and Macs, etc., can render 4K. Which is pretty impressive. And so you can see that with YouTube YouTubers and Twitch gamers and all those kind of guys, this it's probably guys and girls, this will probably fit quite nicely in with their workflow from that perspective. So, you know, does this mean that we'll see obviously more powerful PCs going forward? But do you think this will lead to a resurgence even more so in gaming, in PC gaming over and above what Microsoft and Sony with PlayStation will be offering? I think it will add to the snootery of PC gaming. Now, I'm a PC gamer, so I'm, I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> but I think that PC gamers have always had a, a, a sort of like a we are one level above you dumb console gamers um, attitude anyway, because they've mm. always been at the forefront. The thing about having a gaming PC is you can just swap bits out and rebuild it as you go. I mean, it's, it's like Trigger's Broom. I remember having a, a – I had a PC – five years ago that uh, I, I still call the same PC, but literally every component is different, including the case. <laughs> so so it's, um, so, and that's, that's the benefit of PC gaming, but it's also, you know, you are talking about to have a decent PC gaming rig, even if you build it yourself, it's still talking around two grand's worth of spend. Right. So you've really got uh, to like those uh, Red Dead Redemptions and uh, Call of Duties, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. And if you, you know, uh, we're expecting high prices for the Xbox Series X and PS5, but nowhere near that level. No, no. Well, hopefully not. Otherwise, there'll be lots of uh, disappointed people at Christmas who've saved up because neither of those two have got a price anyway at the moment or an actual release date. So it's still on the waiting game. But something that isn't going to be as expensive as we previously believed is going to be 5G. Now, up until now, 5G has always been refined to the premium flagship devices. We've obviously got the big player in the market, Apple, yet to announce a 5G device, but we're expecting that to happen at the end of this month, beginning of next month. But in the meantime, Qualcomm have had some interesting announcements this week as well, Dan. Basically, their whole ethos over the last six months or, or, or you know, thereabouts has been around bringing 5G to more a wider audience, essentially. As you say, we have we've had it in numerous flagships, but over recent months we've seen we have seen a move to, to cheaper handsets. We've had uh, handsets like the OnePlus Nord, for example, which is five G handset um, in the mid range. But they've now announced that five G is going to be coming to the Snapdragon four hundred platform, which is basically for cheap phones. Um, and obviously, that's that that that's that's big for for all markets, but it's going to be especially especially big for developing markets where cheaper phones are are more normal. Um, and you know, as 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 five G grows outside cities over the next year or two, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be even even more key for for countries that you know that previously only had five G in certain areas. And how have they done that? How how's they? Is it just because they're making more of them, and therefore they've reduced the cost, or is there some something else that's in there to to make this lower? Well, it's it's efficiency as well, and 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 part of it is that um, you know really there hasn't 
I mean, there still isn't the appetite for 5G in terms of a, a, a sort of huge rollout. You know, we're not even even if you have a 5G handset now, you're you you have to really hunt for for the signal in in, in an urban area. Um, and it's it, it, so it's it, it, it's been a it's it's been quite a slow burn really in terms of that. However, it, you know, a lot quicker than we saw with 4G. But in terms of in terms of the actual the, these actual platforms, yes, it's about uh, you know manu- you know manufacturing volume and um, and and making it worthwhile to produce at a lower cost. Now that's the I suppose that's the big thing. As you say, it's about getting five G out there from a network perspective. Uh, it feels that it's coming, but it does feel slow. Do you think announcements like this about you know announcements like if Apple does go five G, which everybody suggests is going to be the case do you think that will help catapult 5g certainly in the uk but in the us and beyond or are we still in that kind of waiting game of we need more handsets but we can't have more handsets until we get better network we can't have better network until we get more handsets well we're we're in a bit of yeah a bit of both really so you know we we are expecting apple apple's uh, iphone 12 to be 5G across the board. We previously thought maybe it would be the iPhone 12 Pro, but actually it's going to be all the handsets we understand. Um, and we're going to have 5G handsets from Google as well with the Pixel announcement in October. So, you know, actually, um, you know, on the handset side of things, then we're going to be into the realms of all flagship handsets and sort of pretty much all new uh, mid-range handsets launched will be 5G. So that, that on the handset side, you know, it's, things are definitely on the up um in terms of networks we i think we've seen a bit of a slowdown in terms of announcements because of um the global situation this year you know we there was there were a lot of announcements early in the year when networks tried to um hit their targets for what they previously announced were going to be the number of places they were going to cover um mm. and you know but that sort of dried up a bit i think we're in a period well, I suppose if we're all if we're all at home on on wi-fi or wi-fi 6 you, you don't necessarily need 5g at home at the moment do you definitely and we but we it, certainly from the uk we have seen in in recent days ee announced a tariff which is basically an all-you-can-eat um tariff for uh, for iphone which, ahead of the iphone 12 announcement um, that gives you Apple TV Plus and and Apple Music and Arcade as well. So people, so there is there is sort of the networks are gearing up to, for for these new handsets to be the sort of big catalyst for five G. Um, in the US as well, we've seen you know the 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 T Mobile Sprint issue resolved, where Sprint have been absorbed into T Mobile, mm. um, and that has catapulted things along there. Um, but again, um, the the sort of announcements of of that that's been the only recent announcement of of a, a boost in coverage as such. And but I think as we as we go into twenty twenty one, certainly if Mobile Congress takes place in February March, that'll be a big sort of time for networks to really uh, push their five G networks on. I think part of the problem personally is that uh, also the Huawei issue has thrown a little spanner into the works in the fact mm-hmm. that um, networks don't want to keep building. It's certainly the networks that rely on Huawei technologies in their masks at the moment don't want to further introduce Huawei technology in new masks to um, continue the rollout while there's still a massive uncertainty over whether or not ultimately they'll be able to use that technology. Definitely. I think so there's been a, there's having to be a huge replanning effort from from many of the networks 
um, E especially because they, you know, they had had the most Huawei kit, we believe. Um, and, you know, that 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 will probably set things back a bit. It's interesting that, as I say, that the three key themes for me that have come out of, of EFA this this week have been about the technologies powering tomorrow's technologies. But there's obviously has been a few actual product announcements that you might eventually be able to go and buy. Rick, what's been your favourite or most interesting announcement that you spotted this week? Philips certainly doubled down on EFA this this year. Um, they did a virtual event before, actually before EFA started, um, where and it was an excellent event. It was really well done. Where they essentially released or announced what seven products. I mean, that's a big. That is a that's a lot, really, mm. in comparison to the other companies we've seen this week. Um, and uh, of those, I particularly like their new multi-room. Uh, wireless audio system, which right. is interesting for another number of couple a couple of reasons. Firstly, it adopts DTS PlayFi, which actually means that it won't just work with Philips um, systems; it should also work with other DTS PlayFi systems from other manufacturers. So that's quite a nice idea. You know, it's multi-room; you can have it in different rooms, or you can combine it as a home theater. Also, their um, their new nine three five. OLED Plus TV actually is DTS PlayFi compatible as well. So you can use that with its integrated sound system from Bowers and Wilkins as sort of like the front of your uh, multi-room system with yep. with the rears behind. But interestingly, the two um, actual speakers they released as part of that system have LED lights in them as well. So the Ambilight system, which is those uh, the, the lighting strips around the television that reflect the colours that are happening on screen at that time in light form behind, that will also be repeated in your speakers. Nice. So you can extend your entire room into some immersive viewing experience. And I really like the idea of that. Yeah, that's, that's really clever, actually. It's, and I'm a big fan of the Ambilight experience. I've got Philips Hewitt at home and, you know, it does it does make a difference. Um and, and I think they've done. Have they done some other stuff with Philips Hue sides? The the actual Hue as well, haven't they? The lights where you can then get a, a like a gradient light strip for your TV if it's not a Philips Ambilight TV to try and make it an Ambilight TV. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Philips Ambilight. Uh, if you haven't seen it before, go and try and get a, te- a, a trial of it. Obviously, now is not the greatest time for that. But you, but there is a. I think there is a scheme where you can actually have a trial TV to see if you like Ambilight for a while uh, and then send it back if you don't. But it is brilliant. I mean, every time, everyone I know who has seen Ambilight. Now, Philips Hue has released a system that if you can't have an Ambilight TV and you actually just want to keep your old TV, where you can stick the LED strips on the back of your existing television and it'll give you a similar effect. Now, what it won't do is it won't um, directly repeat the action that's on your TV in the same way that Ambilight does, but it does create a really good immersive lighting experience behind your set. And believe you me, for gaming, which is obviously what I'm most interested in, that's really brilliant. That really works well. Dan, what's caught your eye this week? Yeah, Samsung have announced the sort of second generation, although you might... uh feel it was a slightly further generation than that um, of the Z Fold 2, the, 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 their, fold, their main foldable phone. Um, and actually, 
it, it's quite an improvement over the last model. Um, but more interesting than that, you know, we've seen a real development in foldables, I think. And this is this is this this is definitely a sign of that. Um, you know, it, it seems uh, it seems a lot more robust than the original one. Um, it's still pretty expensive. It's it's one thousand seven hundred ninety nine pounds. It's hardly a hardly a uh, everyday throne. Um, but you know they are they are sort of they're not that much more expensive than a top notch flagship with maximum memory. You know, with the uh, the eleven Pro, the iPhone eleven Pro Max is I think one and a half thousand. So it's not um, not too far off that. But you know, it, it. I think we've we've also seen the Surface Duo as well launch recently, which is a slightly different approach with the two screens um, from Microsoft, um, and we talked about that recently on the podcast. Mm. Um, but certainly, it seems that foldable devices are growing up, um, and as we move into next year and we see more of them, I think it's definitely become going to become a, a big category, and this is a, a key sign of that. Now, I noticed in the announcements, I think they're only making 5,000 of these, which kind of makes it either a super luxury, exclusive VIP product, or it means that they don't believe that they're going to sell enough of them to make any more of them than well, the 5,000. Well, we think that was a bit of bluster, really. You know, I think the the, the initial run was going to be 5,000. Um, uh, I, I get the impression, you know, certainly I think they, I don't think they'll, you know, shy about making more if they can sell more um but but also maybe you know as we move into 2021 and we get um you know the galaxy s11 perhaps we'll get yet another um version of this right there we go so i'm going to be final question for both of you because i'd be remiss not to ask this is what have you missed about e for this week uh uh, curry versed (laughs) (laughs) i particularly like the curry versed in berlin Dan? Seeing people. <laughs> there we go, you see. All this modern technology, and we still need a good curry verse and a, and, a, and a good pint of beer with some friends. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, pip pip. <laughs>